0: maybe you'd like to know how to heal so I thought we'd just get that out of the way real fast here here's the way you heal you join with the other person and together you go before God and in the atmosphere of God's love the other person will usually choose the love instead of the illness. Now there are thousands of ways of elaborating on that, but that's basically all it is. You join with the person. You don't try to influence them. You don't try to send darting little thoughts over to them. (laughs) You join with them And you can use mental imagery, you can use words, you can just use your desire just to be one with this person. And being one with them, seeing your oneness with them, feeling your oneness with them, you then take them, because you are one with them, before pure joy, before that great splendor, which is God, our Father, and our home, and our self, and our meaning. And surrounded by that kind of joy, feeling that kind of joy because you have lifted them to it, and yourself along with them. They didn't say, maybe I do not wish continue singing this dirge maybe I do not continue with this dance of death but instead I want the peace of God I want the joy that I see and I feel if however they see great meaning in their illness as we all have done, probably all will do again, then that's fine. There's absolutely no condemnation because God takes us where we are and welcomes us. And that's what he asks that we do with our brothers and sisters here on earth. We just take them where they are and we welcome them We don't ask them to be five miles down the road. And indeed, illness is given great honor in our society. How many of you have done what I have done and have let everybody know that you didn't get much sleep the night before? No. Something happened and you were up most of the night. Or oh, you didn't get to bed until such and such an hour. We're trying for a little honor. How many of you have turned on the television set and seen an entire football stadium? 150,000 people rise to their feet as someone is pushed out in a wheelchair. Now uh, they never rose to their feet when that person was standing on his feet. How many have of you have, you have heard uh, Howard Cosell, who's just like the rest of us, go on and on about the coach who overcame black mole cancer and how heroic he is. That's perfectly all right. That's what we all do. I've made that mistake a thousand times, a hundred thousand times. I give someone honor because they're an epileptic, because they have cerebral palsy, because they have a brain tumor, because they have uh, some blood disease, or just because they have a cold or a headache. And a hundred thousand times I've sought the same for myself. And so, it is no sin if the person, feeling the joy of God, chooses to hang on to what seems to give them honor in this world. It seems to bring them attention, because we've all done it. But usually, they will choose the love of God. That's our function, just to offer them the choice to be happy instead of sick. We have very carefully defined illness so that it doesn't include us most of the time. So we look at disease and we say, well, disease is uh, flu and uh, cancer and heart disease and uh, so forth we have this list of things that we call illness and disease we say it doesn't include uh, my budding new pimple on my forehead doesn't include uh, dandruff doesn't include my aching back doesn't include the sleep i didn't get last night the feeling of tiredness no one calls that illness doesn't include my the bloodbath at home that's going on in the family probably doesn't include my alcoholism, although some people will say that's a disease. Probably doesn't include smoking cigarettes. Probably doesn't include masturbation. Certainly doesn't include masturbation. <laughs> probably doesn't my worrying about my bank account wondering if my name is going to appear on the list at
1: Connie's
0: (laughs) and everybody will know the truth probably doesn't include that one thing I like about A Course in Miracles which is just like all the other spiritual teachings, just one of thousands. We just find the one that we, that we love and it helps us a few steps along the way. And then it becomes unnecessary and we go on to something else. But one of the reasons that I like it is that it says that unless you're feeling the peace of God, you are sick. So, we cannot judge another person because they've got the flu and we don't, or they've got the migraine headaches and we don't because if we are perceiving them that way, we do not have the peace of God. If we're seeing someone as a disease, as an illness, or as a... uh, unfortunately long notes are a painfully severe permanent someone it got out of hand somewhere but we're not we're not experiencing the peace of God we're not seeing that everyone on the face of this earth is a, a little light a little pure light that comes from light itself. You think there's something in addition to light. If we see them as light, we will have peace. And we will not judge them. If we don't have peace, we ourselves are sick. And so health Health is comfort. Health is seeing all people as innocent. Health is not having a care in the world. Health is at least a temporary state in which we have discarded, if only for a second or two, the restraints of this world. Anytime we choose a restraint of this world, we are sick. And the degree of the sickness matters not. It doesn't matter how much our back aches. It doesn't matter whether the pain is in a cavity or in an open wound. It doesn't matter whether the pain is a moment's irritation or cough. It doesn't matter, if I heard someone say this recently, whether you are killed in a plane accident. I actually heard someone say, if you're killed in a plane accident, you don't have much of the light of God in you. Meaning, since no one's ascending that I know of, meaning that if you die of heart failure, kidney failure, that that's a higher way of dying. Because that's what natural causes means: Heart attack, kidney failure, the blood vessels collapsing, something like that. That's, that's listed as a natural cause of death. And so, of course, that's much more spiritual, isn't it? If you're killed in a plane accident, then there was something wrong with you.
2: Isn't that silly?
0: So the restraints of this world constitute illness. So let's talk about the restraints of the world and how we can lay them aside. Because it's only when we lay aside the restraints of this world are we healthy, are we free, are we happy. The greatest restraint... I'm going to get to mental imagery. (laughs) We'll get to mental imagery just a minute. I want to lay a sort of groundwork here. Because what happens if you just start in on the mental imagery, then... We just put that in our spiritual toolbox, you know. We stick it in our belt, and now we've got spiritual imagery. Now we now we know something. We know one more thing. We got this little tool. We're going to pull this one out. You see. And to, and to do it that way is totally miss the point. It's an aid. It's a means. A means to what? So it's very important that I, and you, my brothers and sisters understand what the end is. What is the, What will the means take us to? And it will take us to freedom from this world as we usually perceive it and that makes us so happy. Uh, excuse me, makes us so unhappy and makes us feel so isolated from other people. It will turn this world into glory when we let go of the restraints. So the foremost restraint is the restraint of time. Let's talk about that just for a moment. The greatest teachers on the face of this earth are the little teeny people from about age one to six or younger. Usually after that because they love us so much, they have begun to uh, they've begun to take our
2: restraints
0: on. And they say, even though they see the insanity of it, and their their bellowing allows us to know that they see the insanity of it, they will take it on anyway. So let, let's take uh, let's take a three-year-old because I have I have a three-year-old at home. Four-year-old, five-year-old, so forth. We all know these little people, and God has played a little trick on us here. He says uh, He sneaks in this little guru into our house, and He says, He says, now I want you to uh, teach this little guru about life and about purpose and about meaning. You see. And all the time, the little guru is teaching us. Even if we don't come to the Science of Mind Church, it's still going on. All out there, these little gurus are all over the place. <laughs> and they know nothing about the restraints of this world. And they bellow every time one is imposed upon them. Because they instinctively know the only purpose there is. Which is to love And have fun. That's all there is. That's the only thing we're learning. I would rather be happy than right. Now the child already knows that, and we're trying to teach him he must be right. And he's teaching us, no, you must be happy. (laughs) And you see how much fun it is to pour the cream corn into the milk? And we say, no, that's not right. It's all right to pour the cream into the corn before you serve it. You can do it then, but after you put it on the table, it's all raw. And he goes,
1: ah! Because he doesn't understand
0: that insanity. And we say...
1: Seven o'clock. <laughs> Time for you to go to bed. <laughs> ah! I'm not sleeping.
0: Doesn't matter. It's your bedtime.
1: <laughs>
0: what does that mean? It's your bedtime? That's insane. A little child can't understand bedtime. He understands going to sleep. And we've seen our little child fall asleep in our arms. We've seen our little child run all around the house and bang, lies down, and goes to sleep. (laughs) Haven't we? That he understands. Bedtime is insanity. But he loves us so much that he will learn Bedtime. We insist so the Bible says and everybody says become as a little child so how do we become as a little child well we begin as best we can and without causing a lot of turmoil in other people's lives gently laying aside the restraints of time so don't be bound by time don't ask yourself what time it is and should I go to bed don't ask yourself I'm awake and it's three in the morning this is wrong (laughs) don't do that that's a restraint of this world where does it say in any scripture (laughs) <laughs> but you're not supposed to be up at three in the morning.
1: <laughs>
0: These are self-imposed laws. Now, of course, we get on time ta- we, we get there on time for people who don't understand that because we want to be loving. That's what the child's teaching us. So he will adopt to our insanity, so we adopt to other people's insanity. And we get there on on time. We don't remind them that this is crazy. We just do it because we love them and we want to express our love and we want to take them where they are. But when you don't have to do anything according to a clock, try not doing it. Try laying aside everything that has to do with time. Notice how this whole world functions on time. It is the basis of everything. Everything. It is the basis of every comparison. If you look closely, well, how long did he he live? He died at 40? Well, you know he wasn't very far on the spiritual path, right? He died at 40. Everything in this world is based on time. So we lay aside that restraint. The second one is the restraint of needs now, this is so essential in healing because all that's happened when we get sick is we have turned to the body to see how we feel there are only two things that we can turn to to tell us how we feel and we're always turning to one of them one is the body and the other is God. And they will witness an exact opposite. Notice how often during the day you turn to your body to ask yourself how you feel. John, my little boy, sleeps in the same bed with Gail and me. Now this is against every book written except the Sikhs. The Sikhs say if the child doesn't sleep with you he's irreparably damaged. I don't think that's true either. But I do like the fact that the children sleep with the parents. However, if a parent doesn't understand that and there's some sort of internal war and tension then of course it's questionable as to how much purpose this serves. So I woke up at five the other morning. We don't usually get up that early. We usually get up around seven or eight, something like that. I looked over and there was my little boy between Gail and me. And my thought the thought was
1: my thought was to tickle it. <laughs>
0: I had to check this out with God. I said, God, should I tickle him? God said,
1: yes. <laughs> and I said,
0: now, you're kidding. You're kidding. So I, I got real earnest, and I shut my eyes real tight. I said, do you really want me to tickle him? Yes, yeah, go ahead and tickle him. So I started tickling him. And oh, he woke up, and he, was, he just thought it was the most wonderful thing in the world. And so, he would pretend to be asleep, and then his little hand would be joking, and he'd start tickling me. And about five minutes, the three of us were having this giant, uh, tickling, pillow fight, everything else, five in the morning. <laughs> That's what happens when you just let loose with the restraint of, of time, and what happened, of course, was, noticing that it was five, which he never noticed I'm the one who looked over and saw it five. I every once in a while asked myself am I tired but, uh, and as soon as I asked myself that I was tired I had violated the law of this world but I remembered I didn't have to turn to my body there was no guilt at tickling at five in the morning Who who wrote such a law you can't tickle at five in the morning? And so I turned to God, and the interesting thing was, I wasn't tired, and I didn't even want a nap, which oftentimes I, I take a nap. So I was even more rested than I usually am. I bet every one of you can tell a similar story to that. Now, here's the part that you've got to listen carefully to because it is so easily misunderstood. It's interesting that in A Course in the Miracles there is no mention of the word sex because it is such a charged subject. I'm sure that's why it's not mentioned. It's almost impossible to say anything on that subject that people don't mishear what you're saying. If you look to the body for pleasure, you will find pain. It's not a sin to do that. It doesn't make any difference. If you do that, it's okay to do that, but it is inevitable that if you turn to the body for your source of happiness, comfort, satisfaction, joy, you will find pain. And on our spiritual journey, the time comes in which we want the peace of God so deeply and so strongly that we come face to face with this question. Here we are going through the day and suddenly we feel a need and we know that the need can be satisfied by eating, although we're not hungry, smoking, masturbating, having a hot bath, something like that. A thousand other things. Nothing wrong with those things. They're just like everything else. But they are examples of which we turn directly to the body for our comfort, our joy, our satisfaction. Now it is completely useless to fight our desire to do that until we see that we are choosing between that and the peace of God. If this is an intellectual understanding, then it does no good to turn away from any physical pleasure and accept instead a sense of sacrifice. Because what's the lesson? We're to love and be happy. Now, it's simply that the body does not have the resources to make us happy, and God does. That's just the fact. The body just can't do it. The body, in fact, is a projection of our mind. So it has just as much potential to make us happy as the body we had when we dreamed last night, whatever body you dreamed you were last night. Maybe it looked like the body that was in bed. Maybe it didn't. How much potential did the body in your dream last night have to give you deep and lasting satisfaction? Very little. There is a point beyond which an illusion cannot go. That's also why we don't have to fear pain. Because there is a point beyond which pain, being an illusion, cannot go you will not be carried indefinitely into pain because it's an illusion you will feel pain but only to a certain point because it's an illusion it has no reality and once it's looked at it begins to dissolve you can only go so far into it but likewise you can only go so far into pleasure now, I don't know how many of you have reached the point where you know above all else you want the peace of God. If you haven't reached that point, just be happy and forget what I'm saying. <laughs> if you've reached that point and, you're, and you know that this is it, this is what you want, you've felt God's peace and God's love, and you know that you will never be satisfied until that is your constant experience. Then you may gently question every time you turn to your body for your happiness during the day. Just gently question it. Turn to God and say, is this the time for me to lay this aside? If the answer is no, Forget it. If the answer is yes, know then that there is no sacrifice in doing this. If you feel a sense of loss and sacrifice by turning away from the body, by not turning to the body, let me say it, not turning away from it, by not turning to it for your feelings of satisfaction and happiness. If you feel a deep, sense of loss. you are not ready to do that don't force it but this has got to be said on the subject of illness and pain because we will never be free of pain until the time comes that we only turn to God for our feelings as long as we're turning to the body for our feelings we get this flipping of the coin pleasure pain pleasure pain pleasure pain And one of the first things that we notice is that the pleasures are always painful. There's always a little pain with the pleasure. We begin to notice that. Getting drunk is a good example. There's always a little pain with the pleasure, a little distress with it. Now, as we look more at it, we see that the distress is actually equal to the pleasure and the thing adds up to zero
1: <laughs>
0: and so what happens is the alcoholic one day says to himself I don't want what getting drunk has to offer me he's looked at it so honestly that he sees exactly what it's giving him and he says I don't want that well that's true of every way in which we we turn to the body so needs the needs of our body or another constraint of this world. And we can begin to gently set them aside. Do not make that decision for yourself. Do not decide what needs you are to set aside. Sit quietly and consult God, your inner self, your inner teacher, your deeper self. Consult the peace within you as to what needs you are to lay aside. Notice the needs, however. Notice every time you put a constraint on the body and therefore on yourself. It is not necessary to eat three meals a day. It is not necessary to, uh, to wrap yourself up when you go out to get firewood so you won't get a cold. But that doesn't mean you're not supposed to do it, but just notice that this is something that you are in fact accepting about the world. It is not necessary. You are not a person who needs seven and a half hours sleep every night. That is not a description of you. Notice, though, that you have that description. I am a person who needs, fill in the blank so many hours of sleep. God has laid before us all the bounty of this earth. Fruits from every part of the world. Vegetables year-round. Things come in jars and in cans. Planes fly over from Hawaii. We've got restaurants just in Santa Fe that'll cook anything you want. And we have turned the subject of food into pure murder. Murder. Listen to people's conversation. You would think that food was the instrument of Satan. (laughs) Just listen to people talk about food. Now we're having to defend ourselves against
1: tomatoes.
0: (laughs) We're having to defend ourselves against, I don't know if you've read these articles, tomatoes, uh, avocados, nuts too much oil and nuts too much oil in avocados uh, of course anything that has a lo- any fruit that has a lot of sugar in it try to defend yourself against that reports come out that you can't it's not safe to drink the water any place in this country no place in this country is the water any good now we've got to defend ourselves against water <laughs> A restraint of this world. Who told you that it would hurt you? Isn't what Jesus said correct? Take no thought of what you eat. That's a constraint of this world. People on a spiritual path do not have to follow the current laws or fads of nutrition, which change. The little child doesn't care what he eats. Have you noticed? He'll pick something off the floor, he tastes everything. He doesn't ask what the cholesterol count is. Does it cause mucus? (laughs) People who are on a spiritual path are walking into the realm of love and joy. They are switching their perception. The ego sees this world as a danger. Any object can hurt you. You can trip over a stone, fall, and break your arm, and the bone never mend. A little stone. (laughs) You can get a, a pebble in your shoe, a little pebble in your shoe. And you're walking around, and you pass the store, and there's a there's a TV on that says that World War III has just started. And that pebble is far more important. You've got to get the shoe off and get the pebble out. Right? Every The ego sees everything as its potential danger and enemy. Every single thing. God comes along and says, Please look at this world the way the saints looked at it. The prophets looked at it. The way the avatars and the wise men and the children. So, you get to a bumpy road. I live out on Tunnel Road. Our driveway is very bumpy. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? To a little child, it's just wonderful. <laughs> Everybody's got to hold on to the little thing up here, you know. You just think it's marvelous. Notice what children see. They see everything as a potential to make you happy. So food doesn't have to be our enemy. Clothes don't have to be our enemy. Other people don't have to be our enemy. We don't have to assume that the wrong people are in our lives. We've been told that the right people are in our lives. We don't have to get people out of our lives. We can love them. Okay, enough about restraints. There's all, It goes on and on. You can see. as You go through the day. See every time that you've put another chain on you. Another chain in this world. Every time you've picked up something this world says is a law. Try to just gently drop that off if you can. Don't do it that, in such a way that it makes people unhappy. But just try it. Just try letting it loose. That's what freedom is. And mental imagery can be used as an aid to that. Now, I was raised a Christian scientist. And I left the Christian science church when I was fairly young. But among the Christian scientists that I grew up, It was taboo to use mental imagery. Somehow it was considered that if you used words, that was more spiritual. But if you look closely, you cannot use a word without the mind producing an image or a reference of some sort. There has to at least be a feeling or a sense and most usually an image in order for the word to have any meaning. So we've simply got a stick here. One end is verbal. The other one is imagined. One is heard. One is seen. And it doesn't really matter which end of the stick you pick up. So we're all attempting the same thing. Other places on that stick involve uh, possibly the position that we put our body in when we meditate Uh, possibly whether or not we use breathing it doesn't matter whether you breathe peace or you say peace or you imagine peace now the thing that I've found about mental imagery that bothers a lot of people is that they think that they can't do it right the important thing to remember about mental imagery is There is no standard. No one is looking into your mind and seeing how clear the picture is. And you don't have to assume that your picture is not as clear as other people's and therefore you can't use mental imagery. If you just have a dull sense of light and dark as you do your mental imagery, that's sufficient. And you will have at least that much. Use that. Now I'd like to lead you in one of my favorite mental images and I know that those of you who have uh, heard me talk before might have been led to this little imagery before. Uh, but does that matter?
1: No.
0: So let me ask you to, to get comfortable. And if you have something in your lap, maybe you'd like to take that out. You don't have to, but you might be more comfortable if you had something you you took out. Your hands are free. And let me ask you to close your eyes and think of someone who depresses you. (laughs) Someone, if you see it safe way, you duck to the other aisle we'll pass. Or someone against whom you have a very old, old grudge. Or someone that irritates you, or someone that makes you anxious, or someone you're afraid of. Just let someone come to your mind that is less than a pure, simple light. Anyone is fine. Whoever comes to your mind. Just take that person, whoever it is. See them standing before you now. They're standing and facing you right now. Notice the way they typically stand. Kind of mannerisms that they often display. How they often talk, how they often stand, what they usually wear see them as vividly as you possibly can standing right before you and add to this picture anything that you think this person has done that has been unfair or thoughtless or boring or cruel Just remember that along with them as you see them because that is how we misuse each other we see the person's body and use that image to recall their misbehavior so we're going to do that consciously now if you just gently set aside that person just for a moment your eyes still closed, beginning with today, going back to yesterday, proceeding back in that manner, so that you don't get caught up in nostalgia. Starting with today, going back to yesterday and the day before, please think of just one gentle thing that some living thing has done. Something that was thoughtful or kind. It could have come from an animal or a child, another adult, just think of one. It does not have to involve the person that you set aside. After you've thought of one, allow yourself to think of two or three others. Notice that they come a little more quickly each time. Now Please notice, with your eyes still closed, the difference in how your mind feels now. Notice the sense of relaxation that came when you focused on just one act of gentleness or kindness. And remember how it felt when you focused on a grievance. Notice how you contracted. That is illness. Notice how you relaxed. That is health. There is nothing more to it than that. Health and sickness is a moment-by-moment, second-by-second choice. We are not continually sick. No matter what disease we appear to have, it does not continue second-by-second. Second. It must be chosen and kept in place second-by-second. Second. And it is discarded second-by-second. I go back now to just one more gentle, a thoughtful act. Notice that there's a sense of light, of lightness. As you remember, some sweet, generous thing someone has done. Or just some restraint, just some patience on somebody's part. And take that sense of light that's in your mind now, no matter how slight it is, And mold this into a garment of light. It could be a cape or a robe. You don't have to see it vividly. Or you can. Have an image of taking the light from your mind and shaping it into a garment. And take this garment of light and gently drape it around the person you have not yet forgiven. This person that you set aside. Just gently place it around them. If the garment of light has a hood on it, put that over their head. Just just let it fall all around them. Now see once again this person standing before you now just as they were before but with your love now draped around them. This light. And notice that there now stands behind this person a brilliant and lovely figure of light, so familiar to you. And watch as this lovely, familiar figure of light walks into the person you have not yet. So there they stand before you with the light around them and this lovely beautiful figure of light filling them completely and reach out your arms now please your eyes still closed reach out your arms and hug that figure of light into you just
2: bring it into you so that you
0: become one with this sister or brother Because the light in them joins you so easily and fills you so completely. And now you are one with them and your light is one with their light and you
2: feel so relaxed with this.
0: Go now before your God. He knows how to come to you. Allow him now to come to you. Enter his presence. Do not defend yourself. Take your sister or your brother and go before your God and hear him Thank you for this, this act of love that you did this evening for this person who feels it now, I assure you. And together, accept God's love and God's joy and God's blessing forever and forever
2: and forever.
0: can open your eyes now
2: these selections are from the workbook and also from the text whatever form temptation seems to take it always but reflects a wish to be a self that you are not. And from that wish, a concept arises, teaching that you are the thing you wish to be. It will remain your concept of yourself until the wish that fathered it no longer is held dear. But while you cherish it, you will behold your brother in the likeness of the self whose image has the wish begotten of you. Foreseeing can but represent a wish, because it has no power to create, yet it can look with love or look with hate, depending only on the simple choice of whether you would join with what you see or keep yourself apart and separate. The Savior's vision is as innocent of what your brother is, as it is free of any judgment made upon yourself. It sees no past in anyone at all. And thus it serves a wholly open mind, unclouded by old concepts, and prepared to look on only what the present holds. It cannot judge, because it does not know and Recognizing this, it merely asks, What is the meaning of what I behold? Then is the answer given. And the door held open for the face of Christ to shine upon the one who asks in innocence to see beyond the veil of old ideas and ancient concepts held so long and dear against the vision of the Christ in you. Be vigilant against temptation, then, remembering that it is but a wish, insane and meaningless, to make yourself a thing that you are not. And think as well upon the thing that you would be instead. It is a thing of madness, pain, and death, a thing of treachery and black despair, of failing dreams. And no remaining hope except to die And end the dream of fear This is temptation Nothing more than this Can this be difficult to choose against? Consider what temptation is And see the real alternatives you choose between There are but two Be not deceived by what appears as many choices There is hell or heaven and of these, you choose but one. Let not the world's light given unto you be hidden from the world. It needs the light, for it is dark indeed. And men despair because the Savior's vision is withheld, and what they see is death. Their sa- Savior stands unknowing and unknown, beholding them with eyes unopened. And they cannot see until he looks on them with seeing eyes and offers them with goodness with his own. You are as God created you. Today, honor yourself. Let graven images you made to be the Son of God instead of what He is be worshipped not today. Deep in your mind, the Holy Christ in you is waiting your acknowledgement as you. And you are lost and do not know yourself while he is unacknowledged and unknown if you remain as God created you appearances cannot replace the truth health cannot turn to sickness nor can death be substitute for life or fear for love all this has not occurred If you remain as God created you, you need no thought but just this one to let redemption come to light the world and free it from the past.